Welcome once again to another episode of Living in the Past. Uh, today we ain't talking about a month of the 90s like we do on other episodes. We are talking about uh, the top 10 films, singles, and albums of 1993 according to uh, the ARIA charts. And for the movies, it'll be but we're going from the list on Box Office Mojo. I know that that means that it's the uh, it's more focused on the American market. Um, but we will cover, I will let you know how the Australian top 10 compared. Uh, joining me, as always, is Ben. Hello. Uh, we, we, we go through the uh, top 20 uh, ARIA songs each season. And this time I find it a little more, a little less compilation-y. <laughs> yeah, definitely. This is the one year that we probably could have done just a music episode. Yeah. But... The last couple of times has been so forced and terrible that we decided to come away from that and let's just let's yeah. smash it all into a top ten. I think um, Jesus Christ. All killer, Superstar, no filler. Jesus Christ, we started like just just <laughs> killed us last season. Um, I have also realised that um, sometimes we are missing out um, in our month episodes. Some of these singles that come out because like there's a couple of things on here that we did not cover that were pretty huge songs in the nineties. Um, it's just one of these things where like we try and cover as much as we can, but like it's a lot. So, um, it's good that we have the episodes like this that we can highlight stuff before we get into the ARIA charts of, uh, of the top 10. Let me just give you some notable entries of, um, the, uh, say like 10 to 10 to 30. Um, Peter Andre came out with his, I mean, <laughs> we didn't cover him at all, did no, we? No, no. And like, I, I was always wondering, cause like the UK was quite big on Peter Andre too, but, um, he came out with his, uh, uh, his single "Give Me a Little Give Me a Little Sign." Uh, wow, how did we miss Peter Andre? That was—I mean, this isn't his greatest song, so that makes sense. But still, I'm more concerned that you think that he has a greatest song. <laughs> um, we'll get there. Uh, we also had, um, and this is the weird thing about Australia, in particular, is that um, on number fourteen of the. Top singles of 1993 was December 1963, Oh What a Night by The Four Seasons. A song that was written in uh, 19... Uh, what was it? 1975. And I don't... like. Maybe it was in a movie. I don't know. But like for some reason, like every so often, it just gets... It, like, old songs just come back into um, the consciousness in Australia. And it's even weirder in the 90s. So now... You can make that song number one by listening to it heaps through a streaming service. Yeah, they would have had to go back into production on like a cassette or a CD single and yeah. start making this again for people to buy it. I I want to look more into it because I weird. do not I do not know why it had a, like a it must have been part of the um part of a soundtrack or something. I don't know. Like it's just it's just so weird. Um, but getting back into it, we also had um. Uh, Boom Shake the Room, Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Uh, big one. Criminal that that is not higher. Criminal. Yeah, criminal. Um, and this is like, this is just before um, the Fresh Prince, uh, aka uh, Will, Will Smith, would just ditch music for a, for a while. Not, not for, you know, he'd, he'd, he'd dip back into it. Um, big Willie style, um, Men in Black. But um, this is like his, his like sort of, and like, what a, what a song to sort of go off on. I mean, that, that. I remember the um the big cannon that he's riding 
Yeah. <laughs> in, that, in the film clip is amazing. Amazing. Um, yeah, but like going through, uh, I also think that um, Dreams by Gabrielle could have been higher because got oh, a feeling. Definitely. I'm sure the UK was much higher. Yeah. Surely didn't catch on. We only get, so like there's there's no, in the top 20, there's no Pearl Jam. So Daughter's not in there. Um, mm. In the top, tw- like, so after 20, you're like we start getting into like um, I'm Easy by Faith No More. Um, Killing the Name by Rage Against Machine um, did at one point get to number seven on the charts, um, and then uh, criminally um, underrated Two Princes by Spin Doctor. <laughs> 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 but I'm trying like Runaway Train gets number forty five. Like I'd, maybe maybe it'll, it'll come back up in ninety four. But like yeah, we're not seeing and maybe because like in Australia still back in the nineties like in that time. The alternative and the um, mainstream were definitely like all this alternative stuff. You can go to Triple J. You're probably not going to chart as much, sort of thing. Um, we're not going to have you on high rotation. But I remember hearing Daughter quite a lot. So um, I'd same REM. Everybody hurts. Guns and Roses. November Rain. Yeah. Like how how were they not higher? Well, I think Guns and Roses that would have been more '92 because that's when they, they were actually on the album charts too. But I mean, yeah. Um, I, I think Everybody Hurts. I remember hearing quite a lot. It's a it's a strange list. Cool, but let's start off with number ten. We got "Please Forgive Me" by Brian Adams. Um, uh, as we've discussed in our November, November episode, Australia loves Brian Adams. Um, this was on the uh, this was number one for three weeks um, on the Aria charts. Um, it went double platinum. So we're going with, we're going to be saying that term a lot. And in Australia, platinum means um, selling seventy thousand units. So um, he sold uh, one hundred forty thousand units of "Please Forgive Me." Um, I you should watch Not a film. lot. Is it really? No, nah, but I think in compared to, compared to the population at the time, especially, I think it was. And don't worry, like you know, a lot of these also translate to the album sales too. So, like, if that doesn't seem like a lot, wait till we get to the albums for some of these songs because, like, the albums sold really, really well. Um, the uh, the film clip's got a dog in it. You should uh, you should check it out. Ah, uh, I should have watched it. Um, uh, the, what kind of dog was it? What kind of dog was it? Yellow, useless at this. <laughs> um, and it was described by uh, by reviewers as mournfully romantic and a delicious hit of ear candy. <laughs> uh, chorus, yes. The rest of it, you wouldn't notice. Nah. Um, there is a line. Um, a few of these, I'm going to just focus on a couple of lines that are kind of weird. Um, in this one, it is. Um, I remember the smell of your skin. <laughs> It's a bit Silence of the Lambsy. <laughs> just... Maybe they had a certain soap. Maybe, maybe lavender. Um, yeah. But I, I think um, this one. I don't know what he's for asking forgiveness for. Like, did he cheat on her, or is like, or is he? Because like the in the chorus, it seems like he's is that I can't stop loving you. So oh, sorry, I can't stop loving you. So did she break up with him and wants him to piss off? It sounds about right for a uh, for Brian Adams 90s MO. <laughs> yeah, so I oh know yeah, well, um Brian Adams uh apparently everyone held, everyone, everyone around here loved him. Um going on to number 9 and it is All That She Wants by Ace of Base. Number 1 for 3 weeks and double platinum. Um they call it a reggae song and I suppose it is. I suppose it is got a reggae beat to it. I don't know. That's about it though. Should we talk about the um the right wingness of them like on this one? So like, uh, so that... I don't know. I mean, 
Do you it's know a the, pretty you... iconic song for the 90s. Yeah. It's, you know, for what it is, it was a great time. It was a great song. Yeah. I See, we talk a lot about separating art from the artist. <laughs> and I don't know, like, I'm not a huge Ace of Base fan or anything. I'm not defending them. I don't know how much that has to do with their early songs. Basically, it was like the, one of the producers and members of the group, um, they found he had ties to a... Uh, a right-wing organization um, in the 1980s and used to do a lot of um, blatantly racist stuff. And like he tried to distance himself afterwards. Like, And he's gone on record saying that like he's really uh, sorry. It's like a part of his life he wants to, to just forget sort of thing. But like when you see some of the stuff that he did, it's like, I don't know, it's, it's really strong. <laughs> it's like really, 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 really racist. Oh. So it's like, I don't know whether you can like ever completely just go... 180 from that sort of thing and like a lot of people sort of um wonder how sincere he is like i'm not going to like editorialize on that because like all i can do is from what he's said but like um there's a really good um i think i've said before there's a really good behind the bastards uh on on that as well and um yeah so if you look around the internet there's there's a, there's a bunch of theories i'm not sure that, like how many of them are concrete but yeah well if you're going to do something terrible and you're going to have regrets about it the right thing to do would be to try and redeem yourself not just say oh, i'm gonna forget that ever happened yeah. i'm not proud of it let's ignore it like how about you try and counteract that and do some good instead well apparently he's done like a lot of um uh philanthropy and also um a lot of charity work so i don't know it's you know it, 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 like, we're talking about songs today so let's 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 not go too far into that let's realm. get onto a better one and also um also uh all that she wants is another baby. Like it's re- it's in reference to a, to a, to a boyfriend, but like I'm pretty sure at some point in my young mind went it's like she wants a baby. She's is she collecting babies? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always found that really weird. Listen to it as a kid, like what, what, what? Like I grew up thinking that you were supposed to have babies and you want babies and everyone wants to have a baby. But I would listen to this like, why do you just want a baby? Why do you want another baby? <laughs> How many babies do you need? Mother, she should she should ring the stork. <laughs> <laughs> That's you. <laughs> Let's uh Cats in the Cradle uh by Ugly Kid Joe or as you see in the film clip, Diet Eddie Vedder. Um It's I'm okay with that because it's a great song. Um I also thought Cat Stevens did the original and he did not. <laughs> It sounds like a Cat Stevens title. It does, doesn't it? And maybe it's just because it's got cat in the title. <laughs> um, but apparently, uh, Ugly Kid Joe's version takes the apostrophe out of cats. So the original had cats, so the, so the cat oh. is in the cradle. Whereas Ugly Kid Joe, and I, don't, I, I can only imagine it's more like that they just don't know proper punctuation. And they just wrote it as like, cats in the cradle. You know, you put cats with babies. It's fine. Um, maybe. Yeah, so that was. Um, I remember that one being a big like. I I, I, I knock it and I, I give I give him uh, a lot of stick, but like I, I did like that song. Um, it was so good. I this don't. Was, I, I never uh, liked the little like. Yeah, like that. Like if he stopped doing that shit, he'd like, he'd have way more um, points from me. But sometimes he just like sort of Axel rosed it a little bit, and I'm like, eh, don't do that. Um, but it was uh, a. <laughs> <clears throat> it so went, the biggest it, downfall was I feel like their band name really oh yeah it's like it was probably one of those joke things and it's like oh we actually got famous and we wish we'd spent more time on that um, 
It went platinum and it was uh, number one for one week in Australia. Um, That's moving, a crime. Moving on to What's Up uh, by Four Non Blondes. Now, this was kind of interesting. So the singer Linda Perry, she was friends with a young man named Stephen Jenkins, who okay. you might not know the name of, but he is the lead singer no. of a little band called Third Eye Blind. Uh, they would jam their songs, um, her jamming on What's Up, him jamming on a little tune called Semi-Charm Life. And uh, they just re- they and they 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 would retrospectively like that. So he looked back on it and he's like, "We didn't know that at that time those two songs that we were jamming would between us sell 17 million albums worldwide. Like how insane! That's is a that? lot. Yeah, that's pretty good. She apparently apparently the version that we've got the uh, the 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 WhatsApp version is not the version that the uh, the lead singer wanted. She she and there's a piano version that I found. Uh, it's like it's on the B side of the of the of the um of the commercial version, and it's way better. Like it's less sort of whiny, and like it's a lot more melodic. And because th- you're not a fan of this song, are you? Really? I don't like it. No, I, and I think it's because of the film clip. I, I also I, the, the the hat in the film clip just um it gives me it gives me some sort of rage. The hat and the boots, like she's just some sort of steampunk. Um, <laughs> what's wrong with that? Uh, like look, like punk. Uh, you like steam? I know I, I, look, I look like steam, but I think it was just the thing of I used to watch Rage like every Saturday and Sunday, um, you know, to to watch like the top twenty sort of thing. And this one, I just you know, you watch something over and over and over, and it just irks you. And I think that's like maybe if I could separate the film clip from the from the song, or if, or if I didn't have that, but yeah, it's it's still something that I'm like, if I hear, it, I'm like, ugh. But this piano version is quite nice, so, you know. The only thing I don't like about this, and this is probably where I first noticed songs that the title was not the main line in the chorus. Mm-hmm. That would frustrate me, because yeah. when you're like 10 years old, I don't know what a song's called unless it's called what the chorus is. And then you dumb. have like some person in the know going, you mean what's up? No, no, what's no, going I mean, on? What's going on? No, it's because what's up, yeah. loser. No, it's, no, it's in, what's going on. Because you name the song after what the chorus is. <laughs> Obviously, that's what everyone does. <laughs> um, it went uh, platinum. Um, interesting, it was never number one. It was only ever number two, but it still got um, up in the charts. So, yeah. yeah. Um, Informer, we, we covered this a lot on the January episode of this season of uh, Living the Past. So, if you want to hear more, just go back to that one. Um, it went double platinum. And uh, it was it was number one for five weeks. So isn't that interesting? So uh, Ace of Base and Brian Adams were both double platinum. They yeah. were both three weeks, but this was around for five. Yeah. So I'm guessing the other songs around this time weren't selling as well. So he didn't need as many sales to stick around for two extra I, weeks. I right. don't know how it's worked out because some of these songs, like he gets up to the to the higher ones and some of them never even made it to number one, but their album sales were that bigger. And it's just, yeah, I don't get it. I would think it'd be an aggregate thing. Like as long as many weeks as you were number one and then you sort of just go down from that. But yeah, I don't know. It, I don't know. Ari is weird. Yeah. Um, moving on to um, UB40, I Can't Help Falling in Love, the song that my wife hates. Um, 
It's it is. so good, though. It's every I, I, version of this song is amazing. There's a, a personal a personal uh, tragedy that sort of went along with it. So it, it's not purely the song, but I mean the song's also shit. Oh. So. Um, obviously, uh, originally done by Elvis. Have you seen the new? Did you watch the trailer for the new Elvis movie? No, I don't really care for Elvis. Yeah, neither do I. But it's got Baz Luhrmann. It's got Tom Hanks in it though. So yeah. And he um, yeah. <laughs> remember he got like he got COVID. Like, it was one of the first yes. ones to get it. Like, I feel like I, I owe it to him. The first <laughs> mainstream person to tell everyone in the world that it's not that bad, we're okay. Yeah. Well, then he went, I remember he did that, and then he went quiet for a few days and was like, well, Tom Hanks is dead. Famous <laughs> <laughs> um, last words. Uh, so, it went double platinum, and then it was on number one for seven weeks. Seven. I'm, I'm sorry to people that don't, I mean, I know they've stolen reggae. It's wrong, but it's a great song and it's quite well done. So eat it. No, it's terrible. And may God have mercy on your soul. Uh, the next one is we never cover this, and I, I hate this song. But a lot of people. I can't like even it. think of what it is. Oh. The reggae resurgence continues. Holy shit, man. It's like, because this like also tunes in. Do you remember? Um, oh, man, and I know people are going to be yelling at their um, headphones or whatever. What's the Ice-T ad that used to be on? Is it Oasis? Ice-T? And they had, it had the Jamaican guy. Oh, uh, yeah. And like, that was all around this time. Like, people were using like um, reggae and the Caribbean and Jamaica. Like, I remember. Um, was it Ice-T or was it Ocean Spray? No, I'm pretty sure. No, that's um, ocean no, that spray. ocean spray's like that's too recent, is it? Yeah, Oasis, Oasis so. is the iced tea. Oasis, like, and um, and then I remember I got it once and I'm like, this is pretty gross. Reggae and Caribbean was big, and then obviously Cool Runnings like capped all that off too. Yeah, um, and it was just like it was it was the time. Um, Shout out to the uh, Jamaican bobsleigh team and one of the crew carrying around a lucky egg. <laughs> you want the? Did you see that? Yeah, I saw that actually. I was I thought of you. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. Um I want to read you the lyrics to Sweat. <laughs> because it's um <laughs> I don't I, like, Please do. I hope it explains the song to me more because I don't know what la well, la la it, long is. It doesn't really um explain it. But I'm gonna say, it's it's frightening. <laughs> so this is the this is the uh, um, the chorus to it. Girl, I want to make you sweat, sweat till you can't sweat no more. And if you cry out, I'm gonna push it some more. Ooh, that's a sexual assault. I, I mean, it could be a cry and pleasure. The word cry implies that it's not pleasure, but it could be. Mm. Unless he's murdering someone. Oh, with a knife. Yeah, <laughs> it's phallic, whatever it is. Um, and everyone it used to think Dexter. that it's um. Everyone always always thought it was like a little bit of a. And I I apologize for going uh, a little bit blue. Used to think it was about anal because there's a bit where it's like I'm looking into your big brown eyes, but like people used to take off the off the, <laughs> off the S, and it was like yeah, and then like you know um, I want to push it in, and it's like yeah, everyone thinks that it was basically like a. a 
Hey, song about anal. <laughs> you know. I um, didn't learn about that until high school when there was a South Park episode where I think they put Kenny in his costume or his outfit upside down <laughs> and he went missing. And Carmen said he had one brown eye. I was like, oh, brown eye means bumhole. That's great. I wish I'd known that back then when I was listening to this song. I just remember that episode now. Yeah, that's when love. That's is that when Carmen can't. It's like he laughs so much that he actually does nothing's funny anymore. Yeah, yeah. And he puts him on the back of a milk carton. Yeah. And the description was one brown eye. <laughs> <laughs> I seriously think it's about murdering someone. Really, mm. it's not good. I also it thought that song was East Seventeen. You didn't think the big black guy with the uh, dreads? I was eight. I wasn't watching music videos. Okay. I just heard things on the radio, probably. Probably because you're asking someone to watch music videos. And they're like, what are you fucking talking about? It's film clips. Um, next no. one, it's called uh, Lover Lover, You Don't Treat Me No Good No More. This went triple platinum. 210,000. Say her name. What? Say her name. Whose name? Oh, Sonia Dada. Say her name. <laughs> Sonia Dada. Sonia Dada. Sonia Dada. Is that even real? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe not. Abdullah. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> um, so yeah, that one was. Uh, we sort of covered that one a little bit earlier too. Um, this is where it got weird for me because this is number two, which is Whitney Houston. I will always love you. Which means that it's not number one, and the number one is just like I can't believe that was number one. Anyway. Uh, I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston. Um, we covered this a bit when um, we talked about The Bodyguard. I have to... I did a little bit of extra digging and about more about the um, incidences where people uh, get arrested for playing the song too much. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, um, I found one... Uh, so there was a, a one in England where the uh, mother of two went upstairs because this, this um, woman had been playing it like over and over and over and she busted down the door and then like threw the stereo and speakers out into the street. <laughs> and, um, Fair enough. She was, um, she was I think, um, charged with like pro- destruction of property but the other one was actually... Um, the, the, the lady who was actually playing it uh, was charged with... Um, noise pollution and yeah a whole range of other stuff um it's then there's also one well there's a and there's like there's a new new york times article called a love song that loved that a love song that some love to hate and you can access it and it's um yeah uh it goes through the incident in england and then the best part of the of the article is that the reporter obviously went and they said Chris Gordon, a 19-year-old with a goatee who works in a music store in Upper West Side of Manhattan. I was like, why do they have to say with a goatee? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> this guy knows. Like, oh, we went, we were around. I was like, I didn't think he was going to know his, his stuff, but you've got a goatee. You've got something going for you, man. Is it not implied that he's got a goatee when you say he works in a music store? He's 19 in 1993 <laughs> working in a music store. I bet he had a ponytail. he got a goatee. So, yeah. Yeah. And a soul um, patch. 
I think it's like when you work for JB in 2005, you just get like tattoos like imag- yeah. magically. Um, there was one more and you can watch this and look, I know we should be careful these days because when you see videos that people have taken of people getting arrested, sometimes it could be a lot more going on and like they could have mental health problems and that stuff. And for that, I apologize. But it's also, there's a, there's footage from 2013 of a lady that was escorted off a plane by police because yes. she would not stop singing. <laughs> and this, um, <laughs> I think we mentioned this on the episode. I think the plane got turned around mm. and landed. I think they oh, were that's actually right. flying. Yeah. yeah, I thought this they, was familiar. They were like, yeah. okay, fuck this. We're taking this lady home. So as, as she's being arrested, she's still going, <laughs> it's, just, it's just amazing. Um, so I hope she got the help that she needs. <laughs> But, well, um, check in on our uh, new podcast. Where are they now? <laughs> we check in. <laughs> on these yeah, it's my new spinoff. Um, oh, you know what? Like, I mean, the amount of like podcasts these days, like professional ones that are like tracking down, you know, weird celebrities from the nineties and stuff. There's that like looking for Richard Simmons one, and it's like, yeah, it's yeah, it's 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 a niche market. Um, I'd do anything for love, but I won't do that. Is the uh, number one. Uh, single in the RA charts. Uh it is two times platinum. It was on the it was number one for eight weeks. Um the actual album version is twelve minutes long. Um but the single single version is five minutes, which I think that is too long for a sing, single. See this is this is still where my confusion is. It was two times platinum. Yeah. The same as our Brian Adams and Ace of Bass were. But yeah. it was there for eight weeks. I don't know. I, I I personally think that he had something going with, with like the areas, like mm-hmm. maybe just like you know secret cabal or something like that. Um, I love. I that mean, this... unless Ace of Base and Brian Adams sold like seventy thousand in their like two weeks, like well, just he... all in one, and maybe Meatloaf was like forty a week for eight weeks or something. But this is this is where you have to need, week, you need to separate the album from the single. So like say like. When we get into the albums, you'll find out that like a couple of those. So like Ace of Base, I don't think their album actually went into the top ten at all, or the top twenty. But like that single did. So it's just like, yeah, it's it's weird. Like because album sales and single sales, I think are, are different. Um, but I don't. I still don't see how Meatloaf could have taken out number one. Um, I think it's just because he was up there for eight weeks. Um, well, Whitney was there for ten. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how Whitney Houston didn't get it. Like, it's just, I, I think he's just got Also, something. I would do anything for love, anything you've been dreaming of, but I just won't do that. Mm. I don't know. I think it's... Is it from know. his Is it from his perspective or the victims? Oh, the victim. <laughs> Whoever Meatloaf's with is a victim. <laughs> Um, let's, I don't know, let's get off. I, I'm, I'm, I've, I've read and listened to, um, too much about Meatloaf, um, this year <laughs> for this season. Like, I'm just, I'm a bit sick of it. So let's have a quick break and then we're going to get, um, right back into it with the Aria albums, uh, the top 10 for 1993. And we're back. Uh, now we're going to go through the, uh, the Aria albums, the top 10 for Australia for 1993. Starting off, we had Keep the Faith by Bon Jovi. It went three times platinum. Um, oh, that's that's 
that's granted. Like we also like we love like white American rockers. Like white white bon American. Bon Jovi and Brian Adams are the same down here. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like we it's, we do it's like that. Full milk and it's skim milk. It's they love it. Yes, yeah, it's, it's that middle of the road. Just like and look, I'm not going to. Bon Jovi, I think, is a really talented songwriter. Like he writes good pop stuff. Um, I wouldn't go see him live, but you know, I can understand. Um, I kind of wish I had a couple of years ago. He also, I see him like doing a lot of stuff. Like there's that picture of pictures of him like in the restaurant that he owns. He like works in the kitchen there sometimes. Um, I don't know. He, he seems, seems like, like a, a nice man. Yeah. yeah. I also, I, I think my, my biggest um, takeaway this season from him was that he was the only one of those like hair, he wasn't, he wasn't even metal, but like what of that sort of ilk where that basically said like when grunge came along, like, yep. They definitely should. We should have been knocked off. That's fine. Like, let's 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 just move on. Whereas everyone else sort of like raged against it and realized that they were like it's, it's like a losing battle because grunge was always going to win out against hair metal and stuff. Um, to wit, uh, the surprisingly weird uh, war of words between Eddie Vedder in the in recently and um, Nikki Six from Motley Crue. Oh. <laughs> oh my God. I can't even believe that Eddie like was like even lowered himself to even like, cause he rebutted like against it, didn't he? Well, Stone came out like a week later. was like, I liked Motley Crue growing up. Yeah, but he's such that a, like, I, 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 that was, that's just, that's, that's more him against Eddie than anything else. It's like, we get it, Stone. You guys don't like each other. It's fine. I think also he probably just had a musical appreciation Whereas Eddie was probably a bit more, you know, taking on the full picture of what they I don't like your music, but you're also dickheads. The brown they they call like Ed Pelgin the brown brown head band or something like that. It was like so fucking weird. Um, yeah, that's but really like, sad. Yeah, I I that 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 to me, um, when I was playing in bands, and I think I might have mentioned this before, there was a time where like all that Motley Crue shit started to become back in vogue. Like, um, you'd see a lot of um, people at punk shows and stuff, like, wearing hair metal T-shirts. And I'm like, you realise that, like, the members of these of these bands were not good guys. Like, they were, like, pretty much, like, you're playing in a punk band, you, you've got these sort of punk ethos, but, like, these guys were all about, like, consumerism, about, like, being shitty to women and, like, writing really bad lyrics about women and stuff like that. So it's like... But they're like, oh, you know, it's it's all kitsch now. Like, you know, it's look at me. I've got like a um a warrant t shirt on. And it's like, eh. yeah, like we think the chili peppers are bad, but these guys basically invented it. Yeah, and they reveled in it too. That's the thing. Is like, it's just you know, and I, I again like why I've like distanced myself from Kiss because I used to be a huge Kiss fan, but I'm like, no, nah, you know what? They're not great people. And and it's really upsetting that rap and hip hop culture got. So such bad rap, I guess, um, for the way they spoke about it and acted around it. Yeah. But I don't feel like white pop groups ever really got called out for it until recently. Nah, it was like just it, like... It's now they were top of the like charts a, all the time. Have you watched Pam and Tommy yet? No, not yet. See, and I, I watched it, but then I've, like, it's got a lot of backlash because apparently Pam Lanson like, didn't want it to go ahead, but Tommy Lee was like, yeah, I don't give a shit because he's a piece of shit. Um, mm. But... Um, like, and it's one of those things because, like, a couple of um, commenters, like, who I have great respect for sort of came out against it. And I'm like, 
kind of want to watch it though. <laughs> so I was like, I am still watching it because yeah. like Seth Rogen's pretty good in it. Um, he plays the guy that steals the sex tape from from Pam and Tommy and um, uh, Ron Swanson um, from uh, Parks and Rec is in it too. Um, can't remember his name right now. Um, Nick Offerman. Nick Hoffman, yeah. So it's I don't know, like I if if you get a chance, it's actually quite a good. It's a nice big slice of nineties for you. Um, definitely, people of this podcast would would dig it. Um, but yeah, it's it is like it is a bit icky at the same time. Um, so going on to number nine, and we have Zooropa. Um, just you <laughs> two's nonsense classic. Um, <laughs> Should we move on to number eight? <laughs> yeah, uh, it was. <laughs> Three times platinum, um, so that means yeah, two hundred and ten thousand people at least bought that album. I mean, the singles were "Numb" and "Lemon." I think that says enough. Yeah, yeah. No, I look. I, any, anything that sort of yeah, like that, I still get creeped out by the foot on his face in the "Numb" film clip. So let's just move yeah. right along. Did you know that we forgot to cover a Johnny Farnham album in September? Because it wasn't listed in my list. <laughs> did I care? <laughs> no one did. Um, this proves how much Australia will like just um, they'll just support someone just for the fact that like um, uh, they were once a national treasure. So they're like, oh, we'll, get, we'll throw him, like throw him a bone. But I will say that the bone that they threw him was. Four times platinum. Ooh. Come on, Australia. And, uh, and lead, lead single, aptly named, seemed like a good idea at the time. <laughs> this is... I remember this song coming out because my sister was a huge John Farnham fan. But this was the first time that he had an album coming out and I learnt the gift of sarcasm. And I'm like... <laughs> so, but back then, like, she was sort of like, you know, you know, when you have, well, I've never had younger siblings, but, like, with older siblings, like, there's, like, a pecking order. But then, some, like, at some stage, like, you become as, like, as good at giving out what they're giving out, like, back to them sort of thing. So this time, I, like, she came yeah. out and I was like, hey, 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 listen to your listen to your buddy John Farnham. He sucks. <laughs> and I was just like, and this song seemed like a good idea at the time. It was so bad. And the f- so you're still practicing your sarcasm at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was. I mean, look. Hey, I was, this sucks. <laughs> I mean, wait. This is. Oh wait, hang on. Let me try again. <laughs> this seems very apt. This title of this song, don't you think? Where are you, where are you going? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'll write it down and I'll leave a note in your bed and then you read it and you let me know what you think. <laughs> um, the front cover of this is him in a leather jacket. Actually, he looks like he's got like the jacket from, uh, you know, the Joker's Thugs in 1989 Batman. <laughs> he kind of oh, looks yeah. like one. Yeah, he kind of got that sort of situation going on. Yeah, um, he's got the haircut too. Yep. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's not good. Um, and it's He's got, got a nice voice, so let's give him that. He's got a sellable voice. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, um, but what I will say, and this segues quite nicely into our next one, 
this was definitely John Farnham's River of Dreams because it never it never got like that was this is basically his last hurrah. Going into number seven, which was River of Dreams by Billy Joel. Um look, I will defend There's Billy gonna Joel. be so many disappointed people out there that <laughs> bought the album instead of just the single. Do you know how many Um Yeah, like like we we had um so River of Dreams went three times platinum. But like I I didn't realize I've never seen this and I was like I was reading the the Wikipedia for it. There's a thing called Aftermath. There's a section in the in the Wikipedia. Yeah. And it says River of Dreams stands as Billy Joel's most recent album. And Joel has often stated that the album itself was designed to stand as his final record. And that while he composes music, he no longer writes within the pop rock music vein. Bullshit. Did he think this was gonna <laughs> be his last one? I like it's it might be his last one because he's like, I can't write anything else because I'm like, I'm tapped out sort of thing. But I think it's just, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know whether that's a thing. I feel like nowadays, or even, you know, the last couple of decades, if bands were, if they'd had that good a back catalogue and they were doing an album and they thought, like, this isn't that good. Let's just quit. Like, let's just pull it. Is it even worth it? But he had that one hit. Yeah. And did he have a contract that he had to fulfill? Was like you owe us one more album, Billy. So you know. No, I th- and I think that's all too. Like I think he'd he'd like his record deal had like basically like ended, and he's like, I don't want to go for another one because like next one's gonna be shit. May thirtieth, twenty nineteen, is when he said this, that this was designed to be my last one. Bull mm. shit. <laughs> <laughs> um. But anyway. Yeah, I listened to it this morning actually um, a little bit when I was um, I was getting ready, and it's like I, I was trying to like I was going to try and make a case for it being like oh you know is there's more to it than River of Dreams? There really isn't. Like it's not it's not a great album. Um, it but. did. I think it helped other artists who were at the end of their careers. I think the Who did this as well. Instead of having another album, look, we can knock out one or two good songs. Let's do another greatest hits, and we'll put a couple new songs on it. That's all yeah. we've got. That's what he should have done. Yeah, and that's like I mean, um, and that became the big thing. And I like, and I think it's still going, but like probably not as much now in in the streaming thing. But like, do you remember that purple patch between about I'm gonna say 2008 to 2015, where the big thing was to like go back into the archives and release, like, a really nice-looking box set, like, physical media box set that people will buy of, like, alternative cuts of, like, your famous song or, like, the demo version. Like, some of those things, like... Like, it's kind of like what what they've done with Nevermind and In Utero, but, like, I think The Who did quite a lot of that. I think um, The Beatles sort of did it, like, yeah. I feel like The Beatles kind of kicked all that off. Yeah. Or maybe Nirvana. One of them, when Know You're Right... Came out in two thousand and two. Oh, yeah, that <laughs> was like the rejuvenation of like let's see what bands left on the cutting room floor, and also and like weird it. weird concerts from like the nineteen seventies. They just like got, like Led Zeppelin did a lot of that. Like they did like oh, this is our performance from like the Isle of Wight in you know nineteen seventy yep. whatever, um, which is like you know I'm sure it's gathering dust in a lot of people's like. Garages now, but yeah, uh, some of those like I will say some of those physical releases were they look quite schmick and quite nice. So, um, 
I do like a, a, a good physical release still. Um, <laughs> I just remember, I just worked out how that sounds. <laughs> um, so uh, going does that lead us perfectly on to the next one? <laughs> yeah, going into Compilation Town, this is So Far So Good by Brian Adams. How many times platinum do you think this went? One. Nope. Two. <laughs> 70,000 so 70, per... Per plat- like per per number sort of thing, it went eleven times platinum. Oh, that is a compilation. It that's like everyone in Australia should have a copy of this record. <laughs> like just seriously, like it should like it should be yeah. somewhere. And that's probably why I see it in lots of op shops now. Still, like I was like, there will always be a "So Far So Good" by Brian Adams in there. Um, man, like we just loved him so much. Which is amazing because when I look at the track listing, I see three songs that I know and or like. Summer of 69. Summer of 69. Um, Run to You. Run Everything to I good. do. Run to You is good. Actually. I do it for you. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's it. What's that? Is that Let's Make a Night? Is That must be like later on. That generated. <laughs> Let's Make a Night. Do remember. January. Oh, straight straight from the heart. That's that's okay. Oh, yeah. He didn't write it though, but yeah, that's all right. I also looked up when I looked up the inappropriate lyrics to um the sweat song. There's a and this is you know, this is turning into a blue episode. There is a there is a running commentary that the summer of '69 <laughs> is the first time he um experienced a '69 <laughs> position. Ah, oh. I'm like, oh, okay. Maybe it's like every popular song ever is just like a dirty sex act. It's just, yeah. Um, That's quite possible. The next one was Michael Crawford. Um, I didn't, I can't find the platinum, because there's, there's no, like, um, I can't find any of the details of like what certification it got, like gold or platinum. It was number one for two weeks. And I can guarantee you, though, that my mum bought one of those albums because... Oh, yeah, she did. Oh, she's like, I remember listening to Stormy Weather a la Michael Crawford. And like that's what he did. He just like give him a give him another set of like um of standards like like uh you know American standards, jazz standards, and then he'll just sing them, and then everyone over fifty just goes, oh, Michael, <laughs> sing some Which more. this is, I mean, ten to six, not too bad. Like I'm okay with that. What's come out so far? Yeah, understandable. It's Australia. We're on a slippery slope now. Well, I don't know if there's like I want. I'm gonna take a stab and say, and I don't know this for sure, so I don't look ahead like too far. There is gonna be a Michael Crawford album in every Aria top ten for like the rest of the nineties, at least. Because like, nah, the not amount, the rest of the nineties. The amount, or nah, the amount that's in that was in my mum and her friends's like friends's my mum and her friends' um CD uh, collections when I used to go to their places. It's like, oh. You like Michael Crawford too, huh? <laughs> um, moving on to Breathless, uh, Kenny G. Now, have you seen his doco that they made? Of course for not. Okay, so like, um, it was made by the same uh, with the, with the same group of things as the Alanis Morissette uh, doco that came out. So HBO just basically did like a, a, a few different ones. Um, Woodstock was part of that too. This one was about um, basically Kenny G, and it was it was mostly about how he's so polarizing. So, because like, obviously he sold like millions of albums, 
but he's also mm-hmm. roundly like criticized and hated and like you know people give him shit and all that stuff and like there was kind of like a bit of a um it's actually a really good doco if you get a chance it only goes for like an hour and 20 like if you got uh, like an afternoon like, uh, I, I, no. I would uh, it's it's quite good no. And it's like, um, it basically sort of says like, you know, what are people like rallying against? Is it because like he was like seen as like the poster boy of adult contempo in a time that like grunge was around. So he was like the anti-grunge sort of thing. It's like, no, no, we'd rather listen to Kenny G, even though he might not even, even want that tag sort of thing. Yeah. So he was uh, the original Nickelback. It was just, it was cool. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, yeah, he was, he was Kenny Nickelback. So, um, <laughs> Nickel G, Nickel G, <laughs> um, so it gets, um, moving on from that, it's, um, Bad Out of Hell Part 2. Hang on. Um, can I just check, did, uh, that Kenny G album have any hits on it? That, that good one that he had? Was that even on there? Uh, I couldn't tell you because I don't know them by name and they all kind of sound the same to me, but I will. Yeah, me either. It's, you know. The sexy one, you know the one. Hey Google. <laughs> Was the sexy Kenny G song on Breathless? <laughs> Which one? <laughs> Breathless. Uh... I gotta say, I could see me listening to this now. <laughs> I felt the same way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as soon as that saxophone kicked in, I was like, Oh my god. Uh, it's okay. What's the problem? You start. You instantly started getting like defensive. Like, what? Well, it's actually pretty good. Like, if you, if you really think about it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, um, what's to hate? And forever in love. You can't. Yeah, this is the one. Doesn't sound like the one. This isn't sexy. This is the one I know. And now I just now I can just is it Wayne's World Two? Is like Kenny G? <laughs> or is it the yeah, first one? <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. No, that's in the second one. I reckon that's the song I'm thinking of. Yeah, but they're singing. They're singing in the one that I'm thinking of. Oh, okay. Hang on. Um, is this the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. Let's move on to number three. Better of Hell Two. Back into Hell by Meatloaf. Fucking hell. Um. So this went. Uh, Breathless went three times platinum. By the way, Better of Hell four times platinum. I don't know. Like, I, people love it. I'm not going to yuck yum, but like, I'll be pretty happy to not talk about meatloaf. <laughs> and no, this is like, a... uh, RIP, but like, it's just like, I, I don't find his music as good as what 93 tells me it is. And can we also note, Bad Out of Hell 2 at number 3. Bad Out of Hell 1 was at number 12. Yeah, because people like... like he, he, had, he had a good year. Yeah, a good couple um, of years. Before we get to the number two, we, uh, the top two, maybe I'll, I'll just sort of like quickly bit, um, burn through a few of the. Um, I mean, Americans least wanted by Ugly Kid Joe came at number fourteen. Like that's for two songs on there that people bought that album for. <laughs> like they're not buying it for the rest. So of angry, um, so angry. I mean, this would have wouldn't have been a bad one to do the top twenty of because we would have got Spin Doctors on there. We got um, Jimmy Barnes, Heat, um, Lenny Kravitz. Lenny Kravitz got pipped by, by, at number 11, both in the singles and the album charts. So, yeah. Tough. Um, and then Automatic for the People got number 22. Um, trying to find. again. And for 
is it three years running? Madonna's Immaculate Collection. Yes. Number 20. Oh my God. Insane. <laughs> and no verses. Oh no, five, versus, five versus, weeks at. Versus number three. Madonna had five weeks at number one. <laughs> How? How is it still hitting number one? Versus got beaten by the Sleepers in Seattle soundtrack, which I feel is just like 93 in a nutshell. Um. Okay, so uh, let's get on to uh, all-around douchebag Eric Clapton and um, his Unplugged album. Um, now, I know that maybe at the time he wasn't considered a douchebag, and I think some people... Uh, these, and, you know, whatever you, whatever you feel about science and reality, but, like, the guy now is, like, ruining his legacy, I think. <laughs> like, if we're going to really break this down but um at the time it was but let's let's break down the legacy tears in heaven layla (laughs) then what yeah what What else what else have you got eric you're in the Yardbirds. no one cares anymore yeah no one cares uh so late yeah um was layla so that was a song oh that was was a song that stole george harrison's wife yeah but it's yeah. also by Derek and the Dominoes in 1971. Songwriter that would have been around the time. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, that, no, they would have. I think he'd written it before that because George Harrison wrote the song something to woo his wife or his then girlfriend. Oh, really? This is a story. And then Eric Clapton came out with Layla, and she was like, "Oh, bye, George. Oh my <laughs> this guy's god, see you later." So you got. <laughs> So he also offended, like, and took away the wooed away the girlfriend of the um the best Beatle too. Like, come on, yeah. Um, actually, I don't know if he's the best Beatle. Garbage. Have you watched Get uh, Have you watched no. Get Back yet? No. You really should. Yeah, one of these days. Um. So, how bad is that too? Like, you know, your one of your biggest tracks is a acoustic version of something you wrote twenty years before. <laughs> yeah, that's. I just. I never. I mean, I used to like him. He was, he had nice songs. But looking at this, it's hard as like a Nirvana, Pearl Jam fan, Allison Chains. You look at other Unplugged, and you're like, yeah, this is fucking sick. I look at his, like, I half of these are covers, and the, I don't even know them. <laughs> it was eight times platinum, um, and number one for eight weeks. And then um, we also, I mean. Every dad in Australia basically had a copy of <laughs> had a copy of this, and then I remember when the VHS and the like and later the DVD. I remember like when the DVD came out of it. It was one of those ones that everyone was just like, "We well, used to have it at the store, like to rent out, and people rented it like consistently um, to watch those two songs." Yeah, and then um, I remember working at Sanity like um, with Abba Gold, the DVD of that. People used to buy. We used to have to constantly restock that. It was ridiculous. But let's, that's all leading up to the number one album on, in the RA charts was the Bodyguard soundtrack for, it was uh, five times platinum and uh, five weeks at the top. And I mean, I think a lot of it, I think we covered it when we talked about the single. I think you couldn't actually get the single for a while. So all you could do was buy the album, which is probably why um, so many copies sold. And probably in parts... Uh... On the Billboard charts, this held the record for most weeks at number one by a woman until Adele came along in 2011. Yeah, I saw that, yeah. Cool, so that's that's the albums. Um, so we're going to move on 
Uh, we're going to have like a small break and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the top 10 movies of 1993. Okay, we are back. Um, thanks for sticking around. <laughs> Those music ones took a bit longer than I thought. But... Um, now we're on to the uh, the top ten movies. Now what we're gonna do is we're gonna um, what I might do is I might go for like and then probably should have talked about this beforehand. But you know we like doing stuff on the fly. I might go I go, might go one for one with the Australian one and just do it in comparison. Um, but we can I think we would have like enough knowledge of all these movies that we can talk about them. Um, so starting off in America, uh, a few good men, um, seventy eight million dollars. Uh, it was, um, I mean, we covered that um, obviously earlier. Oh, well, actually, that was a 92 movie, so that was December 92, I think. Um, yes. Love it. Uh, I'm s- slowly, slowly getting more into Tom Cruise. Like, I'd, I'd would, I wouldn't watch anything with him in it for a while there. And then, like, this one, I've, I've been eking back into the Mission Impossible movies too, because, man, some of them are pretty damn good. Except the third one, garbage. What? The one with um, Philip Seymour Hoffman as the bad guy? Um, wait, where are they in Australia? Oh, the second one. Is the second one? Yeah, it was yeah. terrible. In the, with the motorbike? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's the second one. Um, Awful. Oh, that was like, um, I can't believe, was it, was it John Woo? Someone, yeah, like they, yeah. they, they just, it was not good. Um, in Australia, keeping up with the Tom Cruise, this of all, was The Firm um, at 8 million. So this is like this is a great way to sort of see how much like we <laughs> we compared to America. So we our our number ten was eight million. Theirs was seventy eight million. Um, so Tom Cruise, but a being, bit more current as well. So it yeah. is, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll say we're like we're done with ninety two. Bang up, bring on ninety three. Um, Are we also yeah. going through the overall list, the worldwide list? Oh, I don't even have the worldwide list. Do you want? Have you, have you got the worldwide I, list? I've got the worldwide list. I thought that's what we were working from. Oh, okay. <laughs> I did the domestic boss. So, look, you know, we've never said that we're uh, experts. We're lowers here. Um, so, what's the worldwide box office number 10? You're going to love it. Okay. It's Cliffhanger. Hey! <laughs> that's good because that 80, actually... Uh, 84 million worldwide. Well, that's why... Uh, is, well, that's kind of weird because uh, on my domestic one, it's 84 million at number nine. <laughs> yeah, apparently it made nothing overseas. <laughs> According to Box Office Mojo, Cliffhanger made $84,049,211 worldwide, which was also its domestic takings. That's kind of weird. I think for some of these films, they just didn't separate it. Yeah, okay. So if you go into Box Box Office Mojo, films 2 to 10 don't have any foreign takings. It's only worldwide and domestic. All right. (laughs) Well, let's yeah. go on to the um, so cliffhanger. Obviously, banger classic. Um, love that movie. Um, John Lithgow. Uh, just it's actually really, really good. I was yeah. something about Stallone. He just he's engaging. I think yeah. with that and uh, between that and um, Demolition Man. Man, yeah. Good year for him. Um, in Australia, the number nine was The Piano because we are all arty farties. Over here, mm. and we like to have a good film by some, by a country close by that we can call, claim to be our own. <laughs> was it? It was. It was mostly. It was a New Zealand production, but um, ah, yeah, like know you know, with Australia, it's just like, well, we're kind of New Zealand. Um, 
yeah, that made $9 million uh, in Australia and did not chart in the top 10 of America at all. It didn't even make it into the top anything. <laughs> Oof. Hopefully the budget was low on that. Oh, my God. It did. It really didn't get... <laughs> Weird, oh no. it's such like... Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it like a hugely, hugely iconic, like, award-winning film? Yeah. Or is that I just here? It might, it, might, it might have only got, like, a festival release. I don't know. So, moving yeah. on to... Um, that was, yeah, 84 million. So, number eight in America... Uh, Aladdin with 99,919,000. Man, you are so close to 100 million. Um, Devastating. And in Australia, it was Indecent Proposal because we like movies about fucking. Okay, so uh, the Worldwide Box Office has had neither of those. Oh, really? Uh, Worldwide number nine was Schindler's List. Huh. Which uh, we'll get to next month, hope maybe. Oh, we'll oh no, we, we, uh, yeah. I don't, mm, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number eight was the Pelican Brief. Really? So, uh, yeah, they had ninety six and one hundred. Oh, my God, this is so weird. Um, and the Pelican Brief, I think, came out in December. Yes. Yeah. I'm. Um, you so, know what? It's, it's one of those ones where yeah. I was like, oh, I'm gonna watch it. Like Denzel, Julia, and then you see like all the Letterbox reviews, and like, oh, this doesn't sound good at all. <laughs> I, I remember like, it being quite popular at Blockbuster, though. It was just one of those films that it was. That and uh, Conspiracy Theory. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like this one review that says, like, there was, there was no penguins in this movie. <laughs> oh, no, no pelicans, sorry. There's no pelicans in this movie. <laughs> or briefcase, um, no pelicans. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Indecent Proposal, it's like, we don't want to watch, like, historical movies about the Holocaust. We want to watch some guy paying a million dollars to have sex with another guy's wife. Horrible. Horrible film. We're, horrible premise. We're a, Number we're, six worldwide. We're a porny little nation here. Um, mm-hmm. So we've got in number seven um, in the US, we had In the Line of Fire, 102 million. Correct. Me too. Number seven, In the Line of Fire, worldwide. And in Australia, we said, we don't want to see some old dude and Rene Russo running around after John yes, Malkovich. We yes, we, we do. want to see Meg Ryan find true love. And we watched Sleepless in Seattle, $10 million. Oh. Wow. So yeah. I'm guessing uh, Sleepless in Seattle was my number five worldwide, with 126. Old, with old beige Pullman. <laughs> <laughs> Love Pullman. <laughs> uh, and number six, uh, that's uh, indecent proposal in America. America. That was a big one. I think, like, I think maybe like the uh, the media buzz around that, um, and like, I think I got quite sexy in it um, with Demi Moore. But it's just like, and I think it was like more of a taboo subject. Like, it was one of these things that like it's probably been happening in, in around the world for like years. But it's like it's now people are, like going, oh, people have sex with other people's partners and sometimes pay money for it and that's fine it's um, also probably like a fetish fantasy thing that so many people were thinking about and no one had ever said it and now there's a movie saying that it's okay and they're like oh yeah oh is there 50 shades let's go see it yeah oh we should find yeah, we basically. every one of these episodes we do for each season we should find the 50 shades equivalent um because like it would have been it's always um, gonna be one it would have been what's it called basic instinct the year before and so, before that was Madonna. Yeah. Just existing. 
Um, so what are we up to? We're under the number six. So on Australia's number six was Cliffhanger. Ten million. Wow. Yeah. Because we have wow. a lot of middle-aged men in this company in this country, <laughs> and we have no snow. So let's go see some snow on there the big is, screen. There is no. Oh, actually, no. I shouldn't say that. Oh, we have some snow. I take that back. Uh, number five on um, the American list was it was a run by fruiting, uh, Mrs. Doubt. <laughs> um, I so. We mentioned on the podcast before. I've been making my ways through the Bonds because I want to watch the uh, the most recent one, and I've been listening to um, the James Bonding po- podcast with it. So I'm, I'm up. I finally got into uh, the Brosnan territory. So we nice. watched uh, we watched Goldeneye yesterday, and there is a bit in there where he, you know that expression that he has after Robin Williams throws the plumber in. The yes, pool. is that his resting face in Goldeneye? <laughs> is, this, is this one of like? Um, uh, annoyed bewilderment, just like <laughs> it's it's amazing, yes. and then it's like all all the way through Golden, I'm like, there it is again, there it is again. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Mrs. Doubtfire was number five in America, uh, 109 million. Um, in Australia, our number five was you find that man. Um, oh. the uh, the fugitive at 11 million dollars. Ah, so my number five, as I mentioned, slip was in Seattle. Yep. 126 worldwide. Well, that goes into my number four of uh, America. That is Sleepless in Seattle with $126 million. People yes, wanted nice. to see Beige Pullman get fucked over by Meg Ryan so badly. If you ask the majority of people that have seen and loved this film who the three main cast or characters were, no one would remember Bill Pullman. Nah, you'd say... Uh, That's how beige he is. That's his job. Tom Hanks, He's... Meg Ryan, and Rosie O'Donnell. Nah, and the kid. Nah. <laughs> no I one remembers Rosie O'Donnell. It's only you. Still fucking love how he tells that kid to shut up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shut up! <laughs> oh, he isn't such a nice guy. Such a good film. It is. Such a good film. I, I, I don't... I've got to separate my nostalgia and like my, my coziness with it, whether it should actually be in the top five at the end of the year because like, i got a feeling it's going gonna, it's gonna to creep up. Mm. Um... It's definitely a top 10. Number three in uh, America was The Firm, $158 million. That's surprising. Like, like I would have thought... Four worldwide. Not to, not for nothing, but like I somewhat think that it's a bit highbrow for like... The... We're in that era where those sort of... not That sexy drama is not always sexy. Like, your basic yeah. instinct... Sleeping with the enemy, uh, indecent proposal, like the JFK era, these yeah. sorts of films where it's kind of courtroom, it's kind of dramatic. There's like a bit of spice about it. And I know that everyone likes Tom brief. Cruise. Big thing. <laughs> um, uh, I know that everyone likes Tom Cruise, but like, that's a Washington, that's a Pelican. Let's imagine him voicing a Pelican. Um, <laughs> But like it's a long movie for, to get through just to like, like have some like Tom Cruise eye candy and you've got some Gene Hackman in there too. Like I know like it's it's all very I'm glad it's in there because it's actually a pretty good film. It's just it, it surprised me that it was that high. Um but in America in Australia, uh we had Aladdin, seventeen million dollars at number three. Weird. Um yeah. Um Which came and, out last year? What? 
Didn't that come out November ninety two? Yeah, oh actually, you know what? And I have I have actually skipped over one of the Australian ones. At number four was Sister Act at thirteen million dollars. So I one remember, or two. <laughs> one. Um I remember Really? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Um, uh, I remember Sister Act being a huge thing here. Like everyone fucking saw that movie, and yeah, it was just um, and look, yeah, you know, and rightfully so. It's a delight. Um, so our uh, worldwide number three. Mm-hmm. Man had a prosthetic arm. <laughs> it was your boy, Provasic. <laughs> <laughs> so intense. Oh man, uh, um, I'm really surprised. That in the American um, top ten, that uh, we still didn't see some bodyguard action. Yeah, it's very very surprising because at number two in Australia it was the bodyguard at eighteen million, and I reckon we would have had delayed release as well. Um, but yeah, in America number two, hundred seventy six million. You find that man? <laughs> wow. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Mr. <laughs> Richard Kimble. <laughs> I forgot to tell you during the week, I can't even remember the context of it now, but we're at a family dinner and someone, there was some sort of sexual conversation and ice cubes. I went, oh, Bonnie Bedelia. <laughs> 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 Don't eat the ice cubes. <laughs> <laughs> and then it, it killed me for the rest of the night. I couldn't even remember the film that she did it in. Um, presumed Pres- Innocent? Was presumed, it presumed Innocent, innocent? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Freezing you know. the sperms. <laughs> Harrison Ford uh, Wrigley's. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, not Wrigley's in that case. <laughs> yeah, the frozen, frozenies. They all look very gruff. <laughs> <laughs> um, does he have... He must have children. I wonder if they're as grumpy as I don't him. think he does, actually. Max, he was with Ally McBeal forever, remember? What, and she can't have children? I think they had kids. <laughs> uh, I think she was too small. Oh, dude. Harris. Um, <laughs> he's got five children. Oof. Dude. I bet if someone got kidnapped, he wouldn't be asking for anyone to give them back because he's like, it's fine, i got others. Don't worry about it. So he had uh, Benjamin and Willard. Hmm. Willard. Yep, so, wow. and then... I hope he's named after Fred. <laughs> I'm sure. Then uh, Malcolm, and then Georgia. Is, is Malcolm the third one? <laughs> he is the third one. <laughs> <laughs> is that where the show came from? <laughs> um, and then um, with Clista Flockhart, they had <sighs> Liam... That they adopted. Oh. Um, All I can think about is him meeting Al from Malcolm in the Middle and him introducing his children. <laughs> this is Benjamin Willard, and that's, that's Malcolm in the Middle. <laughs> hey, hang on. That's what? <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, CBS, that fresh sound you're looking for. I think you got something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that joke will never You should out. only be allowed to use that joke once a season, by Fuck the way. Fuck off, no, that's how I use it all the time. <laughs> The third this year. I did it once. I did it recently, and they like the person had no idea what I was talking about. Yeah, that's late thirties for you. Yeah, nearly forty. Uh, I was num- with uh, work people on Friday night, and 
someone in their 30s was making Simpsons jokes and references, and I was like, it's it's been so long since I've heard it from someone else. <laughs> I almost missed it. Then you went too far. You went to you went to um you went too like into it, and he's like, no, I don't know, I don't love him that much. Jesus. I started yelling out tears for a toothless mouse, and like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> Um. So, uh, yeah, Bodyguard was eighteen million in Australia. I mean, let's just let's just say it, across the board, everywhere, the number one. Can I just like I mean this is just like this is a, this is a nation's gross domestic product. In number one in America, Jurassic Park, three hundred and thirty-eight million dollars. That's a jump up from like the future was one hundred and seventy-six, three hundred and thirty-eight in Australia. It was thirty-one million. What was the worldwide box office on on uh, Jurassic worldwide Park? was nine hundred and seventy eight. Jesus Christ! So that means almost every other nation was just all over this film, and so they should be. It's a it's a massive massive one. I actually, I actually um, seen it for a little bit. I'm not too sure. I just recently watched again the Spielberg documentary that's on um, uh, it's on HBO or on binge here. But uh, yeah, if you want to just like, uh. Two and a bit hours of just um, pure Spielberg. Nah. It's awesome. Um, so that is our top tens uh, for the uh, 1993. Um, surprising some of them, but mostly not. Like I, I said, like I I want to see the on the other side of uh, Meatloaf and The Bodyguard and stuff like that because, man, and at the start of the season, we did say, like, this is the era where we're going to have these big blocks of just the same thing over and over and over because this is, like, mass consumption 90s at its best, so... I feel like I should really go and watch Jurassic Park again now, but it's also too late, but... uh, I I watched Jaws for the first time, like, with my son last night, my oldest son, and he loved it. Yeah. Oh, no, we we thought he was going to... So, like... The Ben Gardner's boat bit where the hub, the head pops out. We thought he was going to freak out of that. Didn't freak out of it. We thought he was going to freak out at the um, the boy being taken on the raft. Didn't freak out of that. The only thing he didn't like oh, wow. was when was when Quint gets eaten at the end. A bunch of blood comes out of his mouth, and he did not like that at all. <laughs> yeah, like he That's actually too real. <laughs> he actually turned yeah he actually turned his face ways and he actually said like is he okay and I'm like yeah 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 like it's like and I had to explain blood capsules and stuff to him and just like it's all fine he's all right I mean and I'm like the shark was malfunctioning it very could have been his death but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh, if you want to get in contact with us uh, it's uh, livingthepasspod at gmail dot com uh, come and check it out if you like X Files um, and agree that it's the best thing that's ever happened to TV ever um, come and uh, check us out on do you think <sighs> Who I'm said spooky? that. Do you think on spooky? Um, you can email us at do you think on spooky pod and check us out on Instagram too. Um, if you want, uh, check out uh, check out living the past uh, Instagram. There'll be um, a bunch of stuff coming up here for for this episode. Um, probably not the sweat song come, now. <laughs> no. Come back next week for December and see if either of us managed to watch Schindler's List. Yeah, yeah, I might be in mm. for some rough afternoon viewing this afternoon. We'll see. Mm. Uh, how do you, how does one get in the mood for that? Um, but yeah, so uh, we're coming to the end. We've got um, we've got our December episode coming up, and then um, as always, our favorite episodes of the seasons, our top fives, where we'll be doing our top five albums, top five movies, and also uh, we'll we, we'll we be doing the old and new songs again. Yeah, I think we would. Yeah, so like that's what Although, we... Although, um, 
I don't know if uh, there's going to be as many surprises this year, whereas a lot of it, like, 93, 94 now, this is the stuff that we knew. Yeah, so we'll we'll see how it goes. Like, if, if, if um, yeah, we, we I mean, we'll probably have to. You've heard this out. You heard this podcast. We we do things in real time. So, <laughs> um, yeah, call so, in. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll we'll work we'll work out a new segment before then too. Um, so yeah, until next time, uh, we will see you later. Good night, everybody. Thank you once again for listening to Living in the Past. Got some awesome people to thank at the end of the show here. Andrew Golding does our music for us. You can check out his stuff at www.antigold.bandcamp.com. Rebecca Sheedy, she does our artwork. You can check out her stuff on Instagram at mildscribbling. Send us an email at livingthepastpod at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram. You can check out letterbox.com following PD Lumsden and check out the movies that we've been talking about this season. You can check out the music we've been talking about on the podcast by going to Spotify and searching Living in the Past podcast and then the month that you want to check out. Want to help us grow the show? Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or tell your neighbour, tell your friend, tell your mother. It all helps. And until next time, as we always say, sit back, look back and relax. Thanks. Thanks.